This is Bullet Points. I'm Ed Smith. Read your here. MacArthur, that is. Yeah. You all right? It couldn't be better. Really? Talk about my favorite um, franchise. Not not the video game. The, uh, the series of wars. <laughs> I've studied them for a long time. I was a big fan. Uh, since I was a little boy, my, my grandfather would tell me about the franchise. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it make, was. I, I guess I I'm making uncomfortable jokes about the Second World War because it feels glib and strange, and maybe that'll be a prevailing theme. Yeah. In this episode. Well, I think statistically it was the most destructive franchise in human history. That's that's right. Yeah. And if we ever do get the third part of the trilogy, they say <laughs> that one may be even bigger. I yeah. Can't wait. They keep delaying it though. We also have joining us not for the first time on the show, but joining us for the first time as a fully fledged member of the Bullet Points cadre. We have Astrid Budgore. Hello, everyone. How are you, Astrid? I'm good. You know, I'm ready to get those boots and put them on the ground. <laughs> right. Because we're going back to World War II, that classic war that uh, Activision games cannot stay away from. I think there's something to be discussed about Battlefield 1 against Call of Duty WW2 and also why the Second World War is maybe more of a inspiring and interesting and captivating story than the First World War. That's something we might get into later on. Um, why World War II is such irresistible subject matter for entertainers. But first, where to start with Call of Duty WW2? There's no point reciting the plot because I don't <coughs> think anyone's interested. Well, um, uh, it, I'll do it. It begins with um, the invasion of Poland. And after that, we cut to... No, there's no point reciting the plot. I mean, you, you, you play as a soldier kind of as part of a, an American infantry unit who uh, is part of the Normandy invasion in 1944 and is slowly cutting their, his or their way across France, eventually into Germany in 1945. It climaxes with you looking for a friend of yours who was taken prisoner and taken to a concentration camp and it climaxes with you rescuing them at the end of the war and you both survive and, and go home and status quo is re-established etc etc which historical battles can we expect to see historical battles you can expect to see are Normandy, you can see the uh -huh. Battle of the Bulge, you can uh -huh. see the liberation of Paris you mm -hmm. can see any other Arken, the first German city to be liberated. They did that mm -hmm. mission in Call of Duty Big Red One on the play. No, Call of Duty Finest Hour on the PlayStation Two had the mission in Arken as well. Derivative, and <laughs> I think those are the those are the hits. I think those are the celebs. Um, there's that uh, that wherever that hill four nine three. Oh thing, yeah, there's hill that four sounded familiar. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. There is hill four nine three. Uh, so those are some of the big battles you can be in. I still sound like I'm. It sounds like I'm being flippant. I know. And I, I know. And I'm, act, I'm actually not. I'm trying to actually kind of coldly and dispassionately describe what happens in the game, but I can't help but sound flippant. And it's not because I thought this game was especially bad. I think I've played worse. I think I I dislike Call of Duty Ghosts more than I dislike this one, but. There's something about the the contradiction almost between 
Call of Duty stylistically and World War II as subject matter that makes this one particularly amusing almost. It makes it particularly a target for lampooning and ridicule and doubt and cynicism. And that's what I'm finding it difficult to reconcile. I can't take this game seriously. More than that, I can't accept it as spectacle, as cinematic, as bold and silly, because it's it's constantly sort of seesawing for me between, yes, this is a big spectacular Call of Duty game, but also it's set in the Second World War, and there's a kind of total lack, I think, of respect throughout for the subject matter. I'm going to throw first to Astrid, because it's her first episode as a full-time staffer. Astrid, where, where would you start discussing this game? Because I'm really lost. Um... Uh, well, <laughs> given that that I have not uh, played the Nazi zombies mode, I don't know if I can speak with any authority on Call of Duty World War Two. <laughs> Actually, because I just read that Nazi zombies includes a performance by Udo Kier, yeah, and I actually would have wanted to see that. So <clears throat> I played through all the boring Band of Brothers shit when I could have been watching Udo Kier make Nazi zombies. And I guess. And Vikings, Catherine Winnick. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Toronto, Ontario's Ving, own. Ving Rames. David Rames. Tennant. Yeah. Toronto, Ontario's David Tennant. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, but, like, I, the story stuff is, like, it's not a pastiche, I guess. Or maybe it is if I'm defining that. It's not, like, lighthearted or, like, winking. But it is, like, basically just a patchwork of, like, every other World War II story that you've seen come out of the U.S., I think, mainly. Which is, like, there's, like, a little squad, and they all are bros, and they're tight, and some of them die, and then they liberate the world. Like, it's very... Like, there's a couple of, um, I guess, detours you play as, like, a unnamed fighter pilot and shoot planes and you play as Rousseau the leader of the French resistance but it is mostly just a bunch of guys like running around yelling at each other while they shoot Nazis I I don't want to cut across you but one of the one of the problems I actually had with the the story and the presentation was that not enough of them died I think of of the central characters one is killed and the the sense of the magnitude almost the the threat the, the, the sense of loss that I think is probably quite prescient to include in a World War II drama wasn't there for me because nobody seemed to get injured no one seemed to right. it seemed quite tame uh, the amount considering that Call of Duty has made a trademark out of killing the player character has made a tradition out of it and this is the first game where in years I think that doesn't happen it felt odd to yeah. me. It felt odd to me. But I thought I felt that Call of Duty Two, uh, Call of Duty World War Two, was oddly sort of bloodless on the ally side, at least. I think you know we right. lose, we lose one major character, um, and uh, the other thing was you know you, you mentioned Band of Brothers there, and the the amount of references and the amount of 
stuff from films this game uses. You know, I, I try to kind of keep track of them all in my head. Band of Brothers, definitely. Saving Private Ryan. The, the, the Normandy scene, that's something that I think we should, actually, that's where we should start, right? But just for now, just chart it. The Normandy that's, scene uh, that's where the war started, <laughs> according to this game. So. That's right. Fury, I think, gets... Fury, I think, gets referenced. Inglorious Bastards gets referenced. Almost oh, definitely. Uh, Platoon, also Platoon strangely. Definitely yeah, the, inflects as the soon, <laughs> As soon as they, like... Introduce the platoon riff. The guy actually uses the word platoon to reference the squad, which to that point, I don't think they've used the word platoon. So it's which, sort of like. Which section are you saying is like the specific reference? Because I was, I was thinking of platoon in terms of like, and we should talk about this more later too, like the two, uh, the two lieutenants who are like at odds with each right. other. Right. There's that part where the guy knocks you over and he's like, maybe I should kill you right now. Oh, okay. And then yeah, he's yeah. like, you don't belong in this platoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't belong in this Oliver Stone's platoon. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go and you smoke opium out of it. Yeah, with Forrest Whitaker. Um, <laughs> That's right, with I, young Forrest Whitaker. I, the, the, the amount of film references, it, it seemed to me like a, a slightly craven attempt to imbue the game with a cinematic and filmic prestige which backfired because I was right. basically sitting there the entire time thinking this isn't as good as Band of Brothers, this isn't as good as Saving Private Ryan, this isn't as good right. as Fury and I want to, I think we should start at the Normandy sequence because to me that was, I mean it's the first level and it was where I think alarm bells started ringing for me because I, <laughs> I was surprised after Saving Private Ryan 1998, Medal of Honor Frontline 2001, Medal of Honor Allied Assault uh, 1999 or 2000. Basically, after after that D-Day scene has been done and riffed on and has become such a enduring part of the popular entertainment consciousness, I was surprised that they would open the game on that yet again. And not just yeah. open the game on it, but open it in a way that is so closely modelled, as in it copies the Saving yeah. Private Ryan scene. You know, the, the ramp goes down on the Higgins boat bullets fly in, you go over the side, the camera dips underwater, you crawl onto the beach, it all goes into slow motion as you look around and it's horrible, there are people on fire stumbling out of the Higgins boat, and I'm sure the defense on that would be, well, this is how it actually happened or something like that. But this is not just how it actually happened, this is how it actually happened specifically in Saving Private Ryan. And I, I, I wonder yeah. who plays that and is fooled by it and thinks this is, this is shocking. Because <coughs> I, I, I just felt like I was reliving well, Do you think Saving they're Private trying Ryan. to See, I think this is one of the points, though, is that I, I don't know if they're trying to fool anyone as much as they're trying to give you right. the Second World War that is now what we think of as the Second World War, because uh, Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers are so... Specifically, those two are so specifically huge in the the popular consciousness that they are World War Two, right? right. They, they think, oh, what was the... Uh, you know, where do you start a story about these American soldiers? You start with D-Day, and you recreate the the sense of Saving Private Ryan's opening. You know, and it's it's like... Mm -hmm. that, and that's how I feel about so much of this game, and you can see why they did it. It also backfires a lot, too, because like what Ed was saying, it's, it's trying to be Band of Brothers, and it's trying to be Saving Private Ryan, but then you think about those, and you think of, like, the squad you know, bantering back and forth with each other, and you think, oh, remember Band of Brothers, how that was good? And there were a lot more characters, and they sort of had more depth because there were more characters instead of three guys. And um, I guess the main point is just, like, 
I don't think they're trying to fool anyone necessarily. I think they're trying to give you what you want. Mm. Yeah, it feels like this was their chance to like go back and watch all their favorite World War II movies and be like, yo, what if we could do this in a game? It would be really cool. Like, games look so good now. Like, just that type of shit. Like, oh, we can do Normandy now. We can do the Battle of the Bulge. We can do, like, this spy interlude. Like, they can do all the greatest hits in the latest engine and it's gonna look great and everyone will have fun like it it's basically it's just a strung together highlights reel i think that's it i if i were being asked to give a a soundbite on the the tone or aesthetic if you like of call of duty i'd say it's not a game about world war ii it's a game about world war ii movies it's not it's not an experience of a soldier in world war ii you're you're playing as an actor in a world war ii film and sort of every actor from every World War II film. And uh, again, on one hand, and this is something that Will, I think, was driving at in his article, I, I this is a, the wrong word to use, but I, I permit that. I'm, I'm not too sort of dogmatic and doctrinal that I say you can't do that in a World War II game. It's utterly disrespectful to sort of entertain efficate it you know entertainize it i don't mind mm-hmm. that I, I i think that's 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 perfectly good and I, I think that the, the story of world war ii is is ripe for it quentin tarantino's inglorious bastards is a thoroughly you know heightened and exaggerated but very entertaining film that takes extreme liberties with world war ii but nevertheless comes over as you know well researched and perceptive and sort of sagacious somehow this game though it does entertainize World War Two, but at the same time, I didn't feel at all educated. I didn't feel at all elucidated. I didn't feel even emotive. I don't think anything that happened in the game moved me in any direction once. I don't think I was shocked. I don't think I was exhilarated. I certainly don't think I was um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, like melancholic, or or missed any of the characters who anything had happened to them. I, Am I alone there, or or did anyone sort of get any feeling for this game? No, it really felt like just going through the motions. Like, even absolutely as a player, like, the things that they have you run around and do were sort of the same old, like, put Thermite on this AA gun and, like, take out that MG and all that stuff, just, like, over and over and over. And they only, I think there's, like, maybe one set piece that I sort of felt like was distinct and that was the the it is like a really short part actually the hill part where the hill 493 thing we're like running uphill and it's raining and everything's muddy but that part of it that specific like upward motion like ends very fast and you just get whisked away to the next part of the map and it there's just nothing that like pops really yeah I mean there are I think Astrid's right to say, you know, the things you're doing in this game are things you've done in, you know, past Call of Duty games, World War II games as well, like many times, you know, putting thermite down and, you know, holding one position and and trying to clear out buildings and blah, 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 which is kind of what you're always going to have and is what I expected. But the only stuff that felt like it was missing big opportunities for me in that sense was things about the writing where it seemed like they they had ideas for what they could do to sort of you know wrap up the familiar ways of, of playing this kind of game 
in something maybe a little bit more interesting with something kind of novel to say about about this setting and then they just run away from it every time so it it felt like a game where there were maybe people saying well okay we'll do this sort of like band of brothers riff you know we'll have the american soldiers we'll track them you know from normandy through to germany and we'll do that whole thing but maybe we can do some interesting stuff with like um you know their commanders and maybe we can do some interesting stuff with showing you know trying to evacuate german civilians and things like this mm -hmm. but then whenever they get close and you know i guess we probably said before or it's assumed that all of these are spoiler or whatever you know things like at the end of the game we want them to go to a concentration camp and we want the player to walk around in a concentration camp but in each one of these scenarios they back away from it you know they they introduce topics and then they don't want to engage with them they just kind of like shuffle backward same thing with like at the beginning of the game where you know of your your crew uh zussman or whatever is jewish and then the other guy who i can't remember that well um <laughs> you know says some disparaging things about uh about jews right and you're like oh okay is this going to be a thing and then it's just it's not a thing you know yeah and, and they do just... they do that a lot and where it... like someone says something that like we sorry to cut you off but like no, we no. know is we know is bad or like from our vantage point we know is like not woke basically and then another soldier like comes in and he's like that's not appropriate soldier and the guy just clams up and it's they do that with the dead civilians they do yeah. that when there's the african-american soldier who's in like one previous scene and then later he like reconciles with the guy who was mean to him yeah he and gets they, like three they lines. keep yeah they keep setting up like these quote-unquote like explorations of like racism or like brutality to civilians but then they tie it in a bow like immediately like okay we covered that let's move on the Which... most jarring one i think i saw was in maybe the third level or the sec i'm gonna go second level and <laughs> you're with your squad and you're on your way to capture a small french town and you walk past a tree and there are two mm. civilians who have been hanged from the tree and one of your compadres says, oh my God, you know, this is a war crime. And that's it. It never comes <laughs> up again. It, 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 it yeah. never surfaces again. And yeah. the, like you said, Reed, the, the entire game is kind of backing away from every single, and not just, I don't think it's the backing away just from things that have the potential to shock or the potential to be contentious or nuanced or complicated or hard to deal with. I think it backs away from every kind of potential narrative climax or every kind of potential narrative crest you know everything is very sort of measured and even and that the 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 contest between the two lieutenants you're you're kind of led to believe for maybe two-thirds or, or like four-fifths if you like of the game that one of them is bad he's he's a bad commander he makes he makes choices because he doesn't care about anybody and the other one is the more sort of level-headed and humanistic one. And when he dies, the humanistic one, you think, well, now this madman's in charge, this sort of Patton-esque guy is in charge and we're all going to die. But it doesn't come to pass. It turns out he's a perfectly reasonable individual as well. And yeah. the, the stories yeah, about him sacrificing his soldiers are embellished and he did it for right reasons and he's actually just a troubled soul. So that goes nowhere. <laughs> but think, <laughs> yeah, think the, of how great it would have been to have, you know, and, and how simple, like, that's what I mean in terms of, I don't know if I explained it well enough, but like you could still have the same 
the substance of these levels could be the same, but if you are being sent into a battle that is, you know, not winnable by some guy who doesn't have regard for, you know, the, the worth of his soldiers' lives and stuff, then you have that context that's making things more interesting. You know, when you, you have the idea that, like, maybe you want to kill this guy to save the lives of more of your, you know, comrades or whatever. They they uh, do this in Battlefield 3. Yeah. Do you remember in Battlefield 3 you have the your, your commanding officer, whose name I think is the character is Foley, and he's played by David Harewood, the British actor, who's in lots and lots of video games. And in one of the, I think the penultimate mission in Battlefield 3, you kill your commanding officer because it's become apparent that he's not got anyone's sort of best interests in heart and he has to die. And that's a moment. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like Battlefield 3 is Chaucer right, right, or right. something. But yeah. compared to Call of Duty World War 2, it, it has something. It has some traction. It has some bite. And right. Yeah, I, it was it's a very plain experience. The last thing I expected it to be was plain. I expected it to either yeah. be really, really great or, or kind of egregious. And I, I didn't find it really either of those things. I found it slightly smug and pretentious, but generally just plain. I didn't find it smug at all. I thought it was kind of found it meek which is what i wasn't expecting necessarily you know i I, I want yeah it just it felt like it was it was very like an almost like apologetic game just all the choices about it were so kind of path of least resistance and that's what i mean Mm. too with like bringing up these interesting not super novel even but somewhat interesting ideas about you know some of the the things not talked about as much about uh you know the allies in World War One. You know anti-Semitism in America in the forties, and and uh, mm-hmm. racism and, and all this stuff, and and saying that maybe an American lieutenant would not be, you know, super uh, virtuous or something. Bringing these up and kind of backing away from them, it seemed just like all of it was worried too much about saying too much, you know. And even yeah, the the choice of perspective and everything too was so. You know, and the guy starts talking at the beginning. I, I think that character gets slightly better as it goes on, but he starts talking at the beginning. You're just like, oh Christ! It's you know, <laughs> I grew up down on the farm, and mm. you know, I love playing football, and Jesus, and my dog, and like, it, I, it, I, I don't feel like I needed the game to be sort of, uh, you know, without wanting to sound like the kind of person who always says things like this. I don't feel like I needed the game to be highly politically charged or socially charged or to introduce these really testing moral questions of America versus... No, uh, but just the, some wrinkle. Ju- what, just, some, just some wrinkle and, and some sense of uh, something striking. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through the dialogue or the characters. I thought that the, the thing that bothered me a lot about this game was that the guns sounded particularly limp and that the sort of pyrotechnics were quite damp and that the experience mm-hmm. of actually being sort of shot at and shooting back in this game never felt to me particularly dramatic. No. It, it also had, Reed, we talked about this when we talked about The Evil Within 2, how Sebastian Castellanos, every time you walked into a new area, he would remark about how shocking it was. You know, what the hell is this place? Oh my God, yeah, this is this is so awful. And it, it's like every single time, it's, it's, it's uniform. Every single new environment, he says something about how terrifying it is. And yeah. the reason I called Call of Duty World War II smug is the amount of time it commits to that narration, you know, the narration, the narrative voice, 
describing how dramatic everything is getting, how the conflict between Turner right. and the other That's guy true. is escalating, or you know, walking around. I, I, we'll talk briefly about it before we started recording, but in the concentration camp level, where you're walking through an, ab an abandoned concentration camp, and the game feels the need to have the character say, "This is terrible," and why you can't let that moment speak for yourself why why you feel like the game needs to talk or should talk there kind of smacks to me not an arrogance exactly but just loving the sound of its own voice and insisting on the strength of its own drama you know look how horrible this is look how horrible we've made this aren't we brave and that that's why it seemed to me vaguely smug yeah they do that yeah they do that constantly there's one part where you like your friend Zussman has been like captured um by the Germans and he's driving away in a truck and you have to chase him in a jeep and it's just you in the car but like the guy keeps saying like truck's going left truck's yeah. going right they're right there and it's like I, I'm who is he talking to besides I guess the player because he's that narration me. is constant he's yeah. helping me okay you're like the passenger in, in the car <laughs> when uh or in LA Noir they're like take a ride up here keep going straight <laughs> mm. <laughs> um I guess I don't know. I'm scared it won't come up again too, but I think we should probably talk about that that concentration camp scene at the end as well, because I think it is maybe the most dramatic example of of saying we're doing this and then not doing anything. Mm. <laughs> um, maybe maybe there's not too much to say, but I I do think it's it's something. Uh, you know, you you go at the end of the game and you're looking for this Zussman who. Uh, you know, also remarks when he's standing in the line of POWs and they're about to be put on a prisoner transport on this train. Um, and there's some SS commander, I think, right, walking down the line and, and looking yeah. at all of them. And, and he says something to someone next to him, like, you know, we're all terrified, but, you know, they can't find out I'm Jewish. Um, you know what they do. And, and, you know, so you're thinking, oh, God, like this... You know, this is not good. And you go to this concentration camp later, and you think maybe, you know, I, I think in if you're going to go as far as to show a concentration camp in a World War II video game, you're going to model it and everything and, and do this whole thing, you are talking about the Holocaust, and you have to talk about it in just some degree. And you go there, and the only people you find, it's empty except for prisoners of war, uh, their corpses. So it's it's taking the the <laughs> genocide of the European Jews out of the equation, mm -hmm. saying look, look at the look what they've done to our soldiers, mm. you know, which is not I don't know maybe it's just me, but that's not what I care about in that context in in that specific moment, and it feels like such a just a I I don't know so video gamey. And say I was just yeah. I was just about to say it seems like such a video gamic decision. Like to... like show us, we're adults, you know? Yeah. Presumably this game is for eighteen plus people. <laughs> and if you're gonna show that stuff, right, you're already sort of roiling you're 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 getting down into the mud, right, to show this stuff and to say we're we, we care enough to show this side of World War Two. And then to just say they killed soldiers. It it's it's just so toothless. It, that right. that part to me was like super baffling I do think um, to the point of the game being smug a bit there was I think before release someone from Sledgehammer 
the designers um, was talking about like you know if we have to tell this story in like a respectful way we have to show atrocities like the concentration camps and like you can't be authentic without showing that stuff so alluding I guess to the concentration camp part in the game because I'm not sure what other things well there's a bit with the civilians the mom and the girl which is maybe another attempt to like force some real world resonance into the game but most everything else seems fairly standard like soldier on soldier violence Mm -hmm. this this attempt and this pretense to authenticize if you like call of duty and to put its boots back on the ground which is a phrase that constantly kind of kept coming up um i find really interesting I, i wonder why that's happened i wonder why it was considered potentially profitable or creatively worthwhile to try and do that and i wonder to what extent the game has managed because to me these attempts to be authentic the concentration camp the the rescuing a little girl from a bunker in a a german building um etc etc they feel again it it, I, i feel like i'm i'm playing a film I, I'm not. I'm not experiencing something that happened in World War Two. I'm experiencing something that's happened in World War Two movies, and the right. con- the concentration camp scene actually felt to me really like a, another example of that because it happened right towards the end, and the the sort of opening shot of that section is you and a few other soldiers kind of pensively opening the gates, and no one's there. No, all the all the German soldiers have left. Yeah, yeah. And all I could think of, well, this is like the episode in Band of Brothers. Where they find the concentration camp and all the German soldiers have left, and they pensively <laughs> open the gates, and it's and it's the penultimate episode of the series as well. So I thought, you know, but that episode fu- is actually devastating. That episode is 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 deeply affecting. But in uh, what I'm saying is, you know, they've they've placed a concentration camp scene near the end of the game, <coughs> mm-hmm. in the same way that I think Band of Brothers has it near the end of the series, and it just it, it seemed to me like riffing right. on Band of Brothers as opposed to riffing on research from. That they've they've done themselves, and basically this game felt to me like they hadn't read any books. They just watched films <laughs> on television. They, but you, you know, they, well, they know that there must have been people trying something. Maybe well, that's not what we're I, saying I don't because know. we're looking. If, if there was, then it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't come, come through. through properly. No, and I think well, the, at all. The the problem I think with, or I guess not the problem, but the difference between those I think is that in Band of Brothers you have a, a much stronger sense of like a the purpose of all the fighting maybe which is of course to uh stop the nazis but also to liberate the camps and in the game you don't really hear about that at all Mm. like they just are fighting and they're moving and you see the map in between levels but the game just takes your knowledge of that as read i guess and doesn't really create an arc in the story of these people like having a goal to go liberate the camps the, the thing which is, would maybe make that feel more impactful you go to the camps to rescue to Zuss, save your friend to save right, your friend <laughs> to save this one guy and the, right. the sort of resolution of that scene is you, you walk into the woods and you're looking for Zussman and you overhear shots being fired and basically you come across a clearing and the commandant of the Nazi concentration camp has executed two or three prisoners before you arrive there but just before he shoots Zussman you shoot him and save Zussman and that's the kind of happy ending and you're you're right. basically you don't care. The game doesn't want you to care that he's shot all these other people. 
It's just yeah, as long as you've saved Zussman. Your bird in time. You've got it's your bird in time. So it really depletes the effect of the concentration camp that all you care about is the fact that whether or not it's killed this one person. Right. It's yeah. It's the same thing of I don't know, maybe this will would go too far into the weeds, but like the idea of <laughs> I don't know. You assassinate Hitler, you stop the war. You know? It's it's just like if you can identify one face, then it somehow seems to like crystallize everything whereas you're not you know when you're looking at the second world war you're looking at you know forces <laughs> that are much bigger than like one person you know the idea right. that if you rescue your friend who you've become close with over the last few years as a soldier then somehow you know the holocaust is not <laughs> like it's it, it ignores the fact that there's this awful huge thing happening because there's one familiar face that's saved um right I and i mean they they explicitly deploy like his jewish heritage and then the camps as sort of just a way to give it more weight because he could have just been taken prisoner and like taken back to somewhere else but he is specifically mm-hmm. brought to the camps so that they can walk you through and show you that they uh modeled and skinned the concentration camp for you they sure did. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. This game, like, here's the thing though, too. And I guess I've waited <laughs> approximately like 35 minutes to say this. I think this game's pretty fun. I think I think it's yeah, like I, I, I didn't. didn't. Have that. <laughs> no, I didn't have that experience either. Um, I felt like. For as long as they've been making these games, this really did not have that crispy Call of Duty flow that I was hoping for. And I think part of that is they took away... Re- if you want to get like into the fucking gamer weeds here, <laughs> they they took away the recharging health. So the whole game, you're running around trying to find health packs, or at least I was, because I kept getting shot. So I have to ask my health pack squad mate, or I have to go look for health packs around the environment. Listen, so it's just... Listen, maybe you didn't understand how devastating it was when Zussman, <laughs> who supplies the health packs, is taken away and then all of a sudden mechanics reflect narrative. You are <laughs> there. there is a loot and narrative assonance <laughs> em- emphasis on ass um, no, no, it's, it's definitely not one of like just playing it, definitely not one of my favorites though. I, I think part of what I got out of it I think every year I play a Call of Duty game you know every year I, I come back home you know visit my parents in Call of Duty <laughs> my parents Activision and Sledgehammer and uh, <laughs> and they do feel like they're they're good shooters they like you know those guns pop and it's like just really snappy and responsive and it feels like not a lot of other I games don't know. but I what I was going to say this one not quite as sharp, you know, not no. quite as, uh, I, I remember seeing, okay, so they're starting with D-Day, and I had, you know, my headphones on to, to, uh... You're in your Turtle Beach gamer chair. Yeah, <laughs> in my vibrating chair with the lights out and, uh, sipping my dew, and I was like, oh no, they're gonna do D-Day again, I guess that's kind of expected, but maybe not super original, and thinking, well, let's, let's hear the shit out of this D-Day, you know, I want to be scared. I want it like, uh, <laughs> you know, like I want to feel something. <laughs> it's, 
feel like I'm really going off here, but uh, you know, if you're gonna do this, I, I want to, uh, I want, I want to feel something of the terror that that you're supposed to feel. I think if you're if you're looking through a first-person perspective of a soldier, you know, landing on Omaha Beach, um, right? And you don't get that in this game, which was like very no. strange. And I think that's one of the failings of, uh, you know, I replayed the first Call of Duty earlier in the year, and that game is still you're playing it with know your your turtle beach cans on and it does sound like overwhelming at times and uh-huh. appropriately i think even if it's not communicating properly different aspects of the war in a, a great you know educational sense it does remind you oh yeah if you were in this situation this would be absolutely horrible and terrifying you know right which is not something this game does do you know what i no. i played Infinite Warfare last year's one just a month before WW2 came out and that was the first time I played a Call of Duty game in a couple of years where I really felt like I was playing something spectacular and high production value uh, on an unprecedented scale you know it, it was the first time I think since the original Modern Warfare maybe that I felt like Call of Duty had really come to life for the first half anyway I think Infinite Warfare gets worse as it goes on but for the first half of that game I it was like well Call, Call of Duty is back it it's really put that on the back of the box <laughs> and yeah the, the the guns in Infinite Warfare are, are, are loud and you have yeah. a tremendous sense of things like recoil and, and reloading and uh, a, a really tiny detail and it's it, it's one of those ones where you sound yourself like a serial killer just for even bringing it up. <laughs> I know what you're a, really, say. a really tiny detail is that you can shoot bodies. In Infinite Warfare, oh. you can yeah. shoot the dead bodies and blood still comes off them. In every other Call of Duty game, bullets just go through them. And same in WW2, bullets just mm-hmm. go through them. And it makes the whole thing, weirdly, it's, like it's, such a, it's such an imperceptible almost detail, but it makes the whole thing feel that much more weightless when that happens. And Infinite Warfare, it didn't happen. Infinite Warfare, you had these these great moments of horrifying spectacle where, in, uh, for example, uh, uh, you're walking down a street and there's an explosion at the end of the street and this big sort of cloud of smoke rolls towards you and it all looks very sort of 9-11. Or there's this bit where you know a huge sort of tsunami wave comes over you or you get blasted mm-hmm. out of your spaceship. And, and there's a, it's total fantasy. It's set hundreds of years in the future, but much more kind of urgent and dramatic and straight to the sort of senses than World War Two was. Like you breathe, I, I put my headphones on for that first level and I was ready. I mean, I thought, yeah, yeah they're, they're doing D-Day again, fair enough, here we go. But I wanted to hear it. I thought, well, they're doing D-Day again, this is 2017. Imagine how this might sound. Right. And the, the, the weapons are so tinny and the just everything about, and you can reload the M1 Garand, which, which yeah. is straight. I thought that's the serial killer thing you were going to say before. No, it was. It, we talked about this, I think, briefly. Reed, where, again, this is this is. If if you were kind of if you wanted that sort of narrow but deep example of how this game uh, aspires to authenticity, but then verges violently away from it, it's the fact that you know you've got the authentic World War Two weapons, but they don't operate like they did. You know, you can you can reload the Garand. The Thompson has thirty rounds instead of twenty, and this is basically a game which I think is playing lip service in that sense, and in a lot of other senses, to the authenticity of World War Two. When in fact, 
it's concerned a in a kind of narrative sense it's concerned not with World War II but with the films about World War II and in a sort of mechanical sense it's not concerned with the sort of attrition or hardship or horror of World War II but more with your viability as a player more with your ease of use I think you cut through this yes. game like a knife through butter I think this game is really engineered to just help you out at every step of the way and that is not the sort of gameplay mechanical experience I think I would like or would really feel enlivened by in a World War II game I want like pressure and and fear and well, that's why there being was under the cosh there, there was stuff in uh, you know the, the original uh, Call of Duty where you see, you still had that, that you know uh, fast pacing that is like sort of Call of Duty staple of, of your kind of you know, it's like a sustained action movie sequence that goes on for six hours, these games. Uh, which I think is kind of, when it's done right, is actually pretty impressive. Um, but in that first Call of Duty, you had that stuff, but you had sequences where, you know, again, where they were ripping off movies very directly, but to, I think, greater effect, where you had the enemy at the gates thing, where uh, yes. you're playing as the uh, Soviet soldier who gets shuffled through the Battle of Stalingrad and has... You know, it's just handed uh, a clip of ammunition and no weapon. And so you are, you know, trying to move across this beach while there's just guns just thundering down on you. And um, it's a little thing, you know, it goes on for five minutes and it's, you know, not nothing uh, that you're going to, well, I don't know, we write about games, so maybe you do write 2,000 words about it. Um, but it, it, it makes you feel something, right? It, it gives you a sense of, of fear helplessness and you're watching just waves after waves of dudes dressed just like you you know running across the beach being gunned down uh, and you know you have no way to react and there's also the scene that kind of uh, or the levels the Pegasus Bridge ones which again kind of riff on uh, Christ is it a bridge too far? Uh, yeah. Ed you would know this yeah, yeah it is um, where you know it's the same thing you're just shooting waves of Nazis, but you have this one mission where it's you start it and there's a countdown saying, you know, oh no, the the Germans are coming to reclaim this bridge that you just took, um, but your reinforcements won't be here for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, and there's just a countdown, and so you're just watching, you know, this enormous army encircling you, and it's you and you know about six other guys and trying to hold out somehow, uh, and these kind of moments like they make something more out of it that you I don't think ever get in this in this one and it's doing sort of all the same stuff but it's just not I don't know it's not accomplishing the same thing mm. yeah yeah I have vivid memories of like specifically the Russia stuff in the original Call of Duty games because I think they like I think you're right to point out that Call of Duty compared to I'm not there's like this one other game where you play as like Russian soldiers and it's like extremely methodical and like everything is it takes like a quote unquote realistic amount of time to load the gun and like aim and all this stuff but the Call of Duty stuff always struck like a balance between like looking authentic but having sort of arcadey play styles I guess like um mm-hmm. need need for speed versus like Gran Turismo or something Are you talking but about the, the Red Orchestra? Yeah, Red Orchestra, which is, like, not a great game, but it is, like, very uh, mechanics-heavy, I would say. Yeah. It's it's very fiddly, um, 
but the Call of Duty stuff, I remember being like really atmospheric for the time, obviously. I don't know what I would think if I went back, but it's just stuck with me for some reason. And I think this game is too signposted and too obsessed with like shoving you forward if you stand still for one second or like look in the wrong direction or something. Like they sort of like take you by the nose the entire time. Yeah, that's an interesting one because it, in in some sense I've um, the 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 structure of Call of Duty, which is you know, to use a, a, a terrible and I think outmoded video game cliche word, is linear, and it is very go here, do this, follow our instructions, and in one sense it feels quite appropriate because this is a military game and you're often playing as a small soldier in a a, a kind of big militaristic set of gears. On the contrary, Astrid, I think you're really onto something because this is supposed to evoke some sense of war, and none of us have been to war. But I, I feel like chaos and confusion. If you just sort of think of war in a kind of grand sense and in a, in a, in a almost like an also in an individual and emotive sense, it's it's very complicated. It's hard to kind of explain how we get here as a species, why we do this. How did this happen politically? How did this happen socially? How do we do this to each other? You know, it's very sort of messy. And Call of Duty World War Two is not messy. It, it is intensely straightforward. It's kind of vehemently straightforward. And I, I think what you're saying, Astrid, about how you're being led by the nose, that is, and, and what I was saying as well, where you, you, you get a sense that you're kind of cutting through this game like butter and there's not, yeah. a, there's not a great sense of, of, of being lost or, or, or being put upon. I think that that is maybe like the cut and thrust of why it feels so plain or why it feels not adherent to the subject matter. Because war, even in the, I think even in the popular sort of historical consciousness, we're aware that war is messy. We're aware that the circumstances which create war are complex and long-winded, and yet this game feels extremely structurally and mechanically simple. And mm -hmm. that, I think, is maybe part of its affliction. Am I talking yeah, rubbish, or does that sound suitable? That makes... I think that makes sense. I mean, every time something happens in the game, that everyone's asking you to react or you to go blow up the wall or you to do this and you go through the door first and if you don't go through the door first the person who does gets in trouble and you have to save them and it's just it's always in ways both like subtle and obvious tailored around you both as the character and the player that's it's like you it's like paying to go like through like a world war Two like recreation or something like see what it was like but everyone's there for your benefit yeah. like that's that's kind of what it is right but it's yes it's <laughs> yeah it's it's unnerving in certain ways about that i mean i i've thought so much too about especially um you know not to <laughs> no whatever to self-promote our own site <laughs> the article <laughs> astrid wrote then the article that will parton wrote as sort of a response and, and thinking about different ways of like you know maybe thinking about responsibility in the sense and everything and I think you know I, I kind of wrote again in reaction to both of those and there's something I can't escape about the fact that when when what Ed is saying too and then what Astrid's saying about the you know feeling like this is all for your benefit that feels like really 
perverse in a way that's like hard to fully articulate. The idea that you can present something, you know, Ed saying about the the many, you know, multifaceted reasons why a war starts and why a, a war can, you know, involve uh, the entire world, and and you can boil it down to an American soldier who's just trying to rescue his friend, and you can boil it down to you know, this, this attack plan went awry, so if you just go over there and blow up that gun, we'll be okay. And th- there's something right. about all of it that feels... <sighs> Disrespectful is too easy. It's it's just something that seems, like, insidious in a way. And I don't think anyone is, tr- like, out to make something awful. I think everyone thinks they're doing something good, but it becomes this really disconcerting reflection of, of how we think about things. I, I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling away, but... No, but it's it's a... This is a dynamic that I think is... That, that video games generally have to contend with now. That putting the player as your priority, at serving the player making them your priority is prohibitive. As soon as you start designing everything around the benefit of the player right. and the, the legibility for them, I think that you cut yourself off from really getting your teeth into a lot of tricky subject matter as soon as it's all about, and it always is at the moment, and it always has been, as soon as it's about the player's experience exclusively in terms of ease of use, feeling good about themselves and finding the game easily intelligible, as soon as you've entered into that, you cut yourself out of certain subject matter um, I I wanted to bring up the multiplayer before anyway too because it's big and then it's weird too to like I don't know talk seriously about the multiplayer but there are things for brief moments when you're playing it that almost get around that problem Uh, in a way that I think Battlefield 1 actually managed to do with the I think the single player is, is pretty bad and the multiplayer at times is is kind of incredible at at trying to model a you know just huge amounts of bloodshed and abject horror um but you you have moments in this where like you have the d-day campaign <clears throat> in the campaign or the single player or whatever and you come out and like you're fine you're gonna make it through unless you're playing on some super hard mode and blah 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 the game is designed for you to get up that beach and to keep going and for this to be a you know a, a frictionless action sequence you play the multiplayer and you can play this war mode that that uh, has like multiple objectives and mainly just takes a long time to play a match um, and you do the D-Day thing if you're playing as an allied soldier you get out of your little craft and there's a very good chance that you are going to just get shot without you know even raising your gun um, and, and there's something about that just the, the kind of fuck you to the player um that that is is far more like emotionally impactful than anything they could do in the single player, where you can just have this like randomness, this unfairness of being shot through no fault of your own. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's an argument for that. I think there's an argument for the the multiplayer component of this game having something kind of in abstract that is more warlike than the single player. Um, 
but I feel also like that sounds defeatist, as if to sort of say that as soon as you try to narrativize or dramatize or yes, yeah, characterize the war, you've lost something. And I don't think that's true either. Right. Um, yeah, I just I, I think it can be done. I think it has been, of course, it has been done. Uh, time over, like the, you know, the pianist or something. Uh, it's just not been done in this game. Um, yeah, I think maybe what those moments in the multiplayer can do because the multiplayer is also it's like a lot faster and you die much quicker and it's sort of more I guess in like a strange sense like punchy or like brutal there's like a sense of violence there Mm -hmm. that I don't think is present in the main game and what that kind of gets at is that the game I think the scope is too large like they take they take it down to like this one group of guys, but that group of guys still like traipses through like every important battle from mid nineteen forty four to the end of the war. Like they happen to be there so that you can see all the highlights. Whereas I think the best stories about war take a more um micro approach, more of like a ground level thing. Because the parts of this game that would be like interesting and like full of like character details and stuff are all skipped between the levels it's like uh you finish the battle at Aiken and then the level ends and there's a little bit of voiceover where he's like eh we did this for two months and then we ended up here yeah so like that downtime where like the majority of the war happens is just completely elided I guess you can see them sort of struggling with trying to figure out a way to deal with that too like there's the part in the uh you know the battle of the bulge where it starts and you know they're talking about how cold it is and blah 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 right and what does he have to carry around he like has to bring someone their rations some yeah you're just bringing some ammo over to the other side of the camp yeah and they're i I think that's them trying to figure it out there's got to be a better way but anyway that's, that's, (laughs) that's not my job um <laughs> but but you can see that. No, I, I noticed like, that part too. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's it's not it's not quite enough. Yeah. And I I think one of the things too is the problem with some you know war video games in the typical mold that we kind of have right now is you can say you can only say so much about maybe why it's important to make dramatic work out of a war or a battle or something by showing people fighting. You also have to show them being people and doing people things other than trying to kill each other. You know? Right. And like Which is why you were saying thinking No, I mean (laughs) I keep thinking about that that um that movie seventy one about the troubles and um I don't know if either of you have seen it. That's the one from only a few years ago, right? Yeah, with that kid, uh, I think his name is Jack O'Connor, maybe? Oh, yeah. Is it about the... It's like the English soldier who gets, like, separated from the rest of his platoon. Yeah, he's in Belfast. Yeah. And um, he gets, like... He's, like, a new recruit, and he gets separated from his unit. And the movie just follows him around as he tries not to die, basically. And he gets, like, taken in, or he sort of stumbles into a slightly larger story but it's all like restricted to what he knows and what he sees and that's a way to like wind him through this larger event without making him the focus of all those proceedings and you Mm -hmm. sort of get 
a ground level view into it as opposed to like him stumbling on like I don't know like the most important person in that situation happening to kill them or something stupid like that like that makes him the focus instead of what's going on yeah and that's I don't know it's like the kind of perspective that I don't know I don't know if we'll just end up talking in circles but it's the you know it's the kind, it's the kind of thing that works yeah I mean that is one thing games can do well is sort of like have you do mundane activities like cart life and uh, papers please and stuff they can sort of put you into the shoes of someone who uh, has an extremely different experience to yours and that's not to say that it like creates empathy or any real understanding in you but it does on a mechanical level you end up doing these repetitious tasks and you sort of feel I don't know. It makes you feel sad or it makes you feel like uh, depressed and it can like sort of grind that into you on a brute level. And this game just feels like you're shooting. Uh, half the time the guys are glowing in the game because one of your yes. squad mates can light them up and then you just shoot them and the little red X appears and they die. There's no real feeling that you're like ending something or like even like putting a bullet into someone really like sniper elite you do feel like you've shot someone because it shows you in great detail what that bullet's doing to them yeah and like um not that every shot in this game needs that effect but yeah yeah i don't really know where i'm going with that but no i, I mean the shooting the dead bodies is something i tried to do multiple times and you can't do it like ed said and that's you're, sort of you're both uh, <laughs> disgusting <laughs> but no I, I, I do agree 100% it's like uh, Ed what you were talking about it's something I'd always noticed before uh, when you wrote you know that piece about haze for shooting yeah. about being like the bodies stay you know the you, you kill someone and it and it remains and it's just like these little things where you have to like fight against like video game isms I think to to establish some kind of weight. Mm. I don't know. Was there anything either of you liked about this? Because I, I feel like there are things that maybe I mentioned that I, I do like, but I'm curious because I think both of you may be a bit more down on this than I am, even though I'm not positive on it. Uh, I had a couple of moments, I'll concede, when, for example, I'll be doing like a, an MG42 static defense thing and you know and like actually kind of physically gritting my teeth and feeling for you know 30 or 40 seconds like I was getting the blood and guts <coughs> bullets and grenades experience of World War 2 to some extent you know it did feel at those points kind of atmospheric or, or dramatic and also that I, I mentioned earlier on that the game riffs on the film Fury and that was actually one of the sort of references to films that I appreciate because it, it created this, it led to this great effect. If you remember in Fury, when the tanks fire at one another and the shell kind of goes, and like bounces off and flies into the horizon and it looks really wonderful and yeah. you get that effect in this game. And there was, I think Reed, we, you and I talked about this in, in private where there was one section where you're the driver of the tank and you have to sort of, 
destroy mm-hmm. this German Tiger tank and the, the sort of layout, the setup is that you're kind of driving round and round this the ruins of this one building, sort of looking for one another and it becomes this kind of cat and mouse thing, just for like a couple of minutes. And that was quite a good sequence. And there are a few kind of sections of, of destruction. There was one bit where you have to flee a, a church spire as it's crumbling down. And that was when the sound did really come into play. That's when I was glad I was wearing headphones. It's the same with the big train crash, actually. I thought the big train crash looked fantastic. Um, but, you know, th- there are a couple of moments where, yeah, I uh, a couple of good scenes, if you like. But... As a, as a, you know, as, as an entire experience, I, I didn't take a lot from it. But there are a couple of, of scenes. It reminded me a lot of Modern Warfare Three, which I think Sledgehammer developed also. I think Glenn Schofield like co-designed or co-directed. And Modern Warfare Three, a couple of good moments, but as an entire game, I didn't get much from. And I, that was my experience with Call of Duty yeah. World War Two. That's actually maybe one of the closest comparisons in terms of kind of how I feel about this game. Yeah. I think Call of, I think Modern Warfare Three is maybe a little bit more objectionable if I'm remembering right, um, but it's another game where it's just it it doesn't doesn't quite do any of the things you you can see it trying to do, but I I don't know I guess I'm a Call of Duty apologist or something that I I still I I just want to be honest and say that there were things that I did enjoy even though I am not positive about this game. How about you? What about you, Astrid? What was your favorite part? Was it <laughs> was it when the guy from Inglourious showed up? Yeah, that part's great. That's a real bright spot. Um, I, I mean, that part starts sort of cool because the one thing these games can always do is like take your gun away, and then suddenly it's a whole different scenario, and you're like, oh shit, what's gonna happen now? And the answer is usually that uh, you get your gun back. But he, here, you sort of like. Yeah, you infiltrate the um, like a Nazi building to like get explosives or something, and you kill an SS officer for like the murder of your family or something. This is your being like a character that has been introduced like an hour before. Uh-huh. So this whole little arc, this whole arc sort of plays out really fast. But yeah, he just does like a really bad like Hans Landa impersonation from Inglorious Bastards. And that's like the climactic moment of this sequence is like this sort of like uh, shitty riff on a movie. And that was sort of disappointing because I don't know, like the taking your gun away is something they do later when you carry the girl out of the building and she actually <laughs> on screen replaces the gun. Yeah. So you're like, there's a girl, well, she's on the left side of the screen, I think, but there's a girl in front of you instead of a gun, which is like semiotically a sort of interesting swap. But yeah, that sequence is just another sort of a stealth thing. And I don't know. After that, I think that was the last bit of the game I thought was like sort of interesting. And then I sort of just dropped the old difficulty down and tried to blast through it. Because it did start to feel like really repetitive. And that sort of like that squad leader drama takes over and I didn't find that very interesting. You just wanted to get to Berlin by Christmas. Am I right? Yeah. You guys That's like good. that? That was a good joke. That's my I heard that I heard that joke in a World War Two yeah. film. Or three. And this game. I did I, I I know I I'm not gonna, you know, talk it up as some utterly stellar moment, but I, I did like that part with uh 
Uh, I, I like the idea that the objective is, hey, look, there's some some German civilians trapped in this building. Mm. Go get them out. You know that that there are people. I always appreciate when there's a willingness, and I think Advanced Warfare did this as well. Um, you know, back in the Jurassic Age, I reviewed that for Kill Screen. I remember writing about. I like that there were civilians, and if you shot civilians running around in the battlefield, you know who were who were trying to run away from firefights that broke out in the middle of the city, you know, it, game does the game slap on the wrist thing of don't do that, that's bad, but it you know it reinforces okay look at there, you know this is this is maybe how these wars are fought. It's not it's not um you know two lines of Napoleonic mm. soldiers like lining up against each other in a field somewhere. It's it's stuff where they're they're real, you know, and people who who don't want to be part of this, who are trapped, and I, I think it, you know, it is interesting. I'm probably easy to impress because I did like the replacement of the gun with this little girl who's holding her teddy bear, and you're kind of hoping that she doesn't, you know, cry out or something. Uh, right. And mechanically, it's it's really dull because you're just kind of doing a, a little stealth sequence where you're hiding behind barrels and stuff, but. Um, but that, I don't know. that was that the did thing I think with that sequence for me what, what undercut it was the slapstickness <coughs> of hiding behind barrels and, yeah. and sort of sprinting past guards after they'd seen me and yeah it, it just it, it looked just to, just to watch it in one sort of sitting you know without like camera cuts if you like it looked silly um, and sort of robbed it of, of any drama and I think that that happens quite a lot in this game. I think it happens quite a lot in games generally. I think if I have a bugbear at the moment now with games, it's that it is that it's that <laughs> sort of yeah. Oh God, what now? <laughs> it is it is that slapstick element. It is that sort of incongruity between um, not just you know we talk about the the term ludonarrative dissonance, which I still think is a perfectly acceptable term. It, it usually applies to the player wants different things than the writer. To me, at the moment, it seems more jarring that the player is incompetent compared to the character. The player is confused and sort of not intuitive in the same sense as the character is supposed to be, you know. Um, and it right. creates these incredibly jarring sequences of rather than the, the, the hero of the piece, the sort of cinematic protagonist of the piece fighting his way out effectively and impressively or sneaking his way out with this young girl in his arms in a sort of dramatic intense way you get this slapstick sequence of restarting or just running or sort of sucking up bullets because you're on the lowest difficulty until you just walk out of the door um, and yeah just things like that I think were pervasive right. throughout this game um, yeah yeah I felt like that a lot actually and I think part of it is because of how many or I guess how few options the game gives you and it sort of feels like it's funneling you that when you fuck up it's like actually more yeah. obvious mm. yeah totally I don't mind that though because, I like, don't want yeah I mean I I do enjoy when games are messy but in a situation like this where the game has been like nipped and tucked to such like a sheen that when you fuck up because it actually communicated something badly or because right. like a German soldier gets stuck on something, it's sort of just it seems a lot more absurd. Yeah. Maybe that also comes down to one of my maybe final points about this is 
maybe I've uh, lost my perspective and there have been too many games that are sprawling and 60 hours long and say you can do anything that you can possibly think of and you know everything is here for you and I appreciated that this game is like five hours long mm -hmm. and it's just like here we want to show you this stuff if you yeah. if you keep moving forward we will show you the things um, but you're discounting the multiplayer which is there to I played quite a bit of that. Nail you down for life. Yeah. Did you buy any loot boxes? I did not. Because then I had the thought, hey, remember Battlefield 1? That game was kind of cool. The the multiplayer. <laughs> so I started playing that and then I was like, I don't think I can play Call of Duty anymore. Cuz <laughs> the other one's a lot better and scarier. So, Call of Duty 2 is so not very it... good, but at least it's quite short. <laughs> I was gonna say, in conclusion, World War One now better than World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the dark middle chapter as much as the origin story. <laughs> <coughs> why don't they have DLC for? <clears throat> why don't they have DLC for Battlefield One where he plays a young Adolf Hitler? Mm. Oh God, and that that actually seems possible. That seems like something that. No, it no, it does. Do no, it then you know you play the whole level and you think you've like been a big hero and then it cuts away and no, maybe you're not playing. Maybe you're not playing as him, <laughs> but you've got this. You've it's got from a first person. Yeah, or you've got this guy by your side the entire time. I don't know if you remember that sequence in uh, the first series of Boardwalk Empire where Michael Pitt and Stephen Graham are just talking out by the car and then at the end of the conversation they shake hands. He goes, "Jimmy Darmody," and he goes, "Yeah, I'm Al Capone." And you go, "Oh, it's Al Capone yeah. all along." <laughs> You could have this level where you're fighting <laughs> alongside this guy and he's really helped you out and you're brilliant. At the end of the level, you say, like, you know... Um, uh, he's like, would you like to see my Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm Jürgen Schmidt. Oh, yeah, nice to meet you. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> oh, my God! Credits. <laughs> yeah, credits. Oh, no, no, but then you hear, like, you know, jackboots, like, in a parade. Yeah. And then, like, uh, and then it cuts to black. Uh. And, then it says, and then it says 2019, Battlefield 2. Uh <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, we uh, have, in terms of our discussion on Call of Duty WW2, we have re we have reached Berlin, we have stormed the Führer bunker, and ended this. Thi oh, God, that really got lost in <laughs> development. I feel mildly disgusting about the uh, the like the course of conversation about this game, and maybe that's appropriate. What do you mean? You know. I just feel power conversation. I feel gross. Like I feel like you end up like having to make like these like World War Two related jokes because you're talking about this game that doesn't seem to really give it much weight. And then I feel like that like right. affects my own. I don't know. I just don't feel right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel good. <laughs> I want to stay home from podcast today and not talk about. You've got a note. Cod, WW2. Oh, I did want to just briefly. Um, I don't know, Ed, if you played the multiplayer. Yeah, I did. If you got in there, okay. I certainly never um, saw you playing it. <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, use that like incendiary shotgun on people, they emit this horrifying scream. Oh. That like, I I played the beta and it was there, and they kept it in the like the full game, and it's just like that 
detail is just like way too much for me for some reason like more so than like watching the headshots or like the guy burning like that scream is just like it's it just like really makes you think about what it would be like to burn alive uh, especially when it's your after being shot with like flaming bullets especially yeah. when it's your own character doing the screaming too it's uh yeah they just like start writhing and because after you die it like loads so quickly you get like just this this two minute this two second like flash of your guy just like screaming in like mind obliterating pain and then you're back you respawn yeah more and more of that just, i guess it's just i don't know why they made that scream so intense but because they want it's very realistic they want you to feel yeah. something that's that's i guess what i want at the end of this is i think these games if they can't if they can't say something of value or if they can't um you know sort of a, a approach competence in in other ways that you would expect from from world war ii story uh film or, or book or anything then they should they should just make you feel something make you feel a little freaked out make you feel grossed out you know yeah that's what i want they try that's what i want for this yeah. holiday season is to, <laughs> is to feel the uh absolute horror <sighs> well call of duty there we go for another year that's put to bed where do you think they'll go next time I'm hoping for them to feature the English army in World War II, the British army. Mm. And then there's one level where you play as a Canadian. Mm. And and then um and it it all takes place before the Americans showed up. And oh, that would be oh. educational if they could get that in front of a lot of people. I I'm imagining that at some point there'll be like a post-apocalyptic Call of Duty. Yeah. After WW3. War is after, yeah, you know, after war has consumed the whole planet and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it'll be like fighting in a kind of fighting Fallout-style enemies. Who, who will it be on the uh, on the docket for next year? Um. So did Infinity War do... Yes. Infinite Warfare. So Sledgehammer have done that. So it's Treyarch next. Hmm. And their last, their last one was Black Ops Three, which I enjoyed because it was. It was very good. It had the best World War Two section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In ter- uh, in terms of uh, making it part of a Call of Duty game, it mm. I think was actually for a game that's so ridiculous that that mm. sequence I think was even incorporated Nazi zombies into it and made sense. <laughs> Astrid, have you played this? No, honestly, the last one I, I played a bit of uh, Infinite Warfare, but before that, it, it had been a while. Mm. Yeah, well, Black Ops Three that was, we'll was a good one. So hopefully, maybe next year's will be uh, a winner. Uh, have the have they done uh, Vietnam? They, was that in they Black touched, Ops One? They touched a bit? upon it in Black Ops One. They've never done a full. It's Vietnam. heinous in, uh, in Black, Black Ops, Ops One. Is 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 I one of my least favorite games. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really hated the first Black Ops. Really hated it. The Black Ops games get better as they they do as they go. Really, With yeah. Okay. One being sort of just when, when you hear people say, you know, Call of Duty is is American imperialism in entertainment form, 
think. They're thinking of Black right. Ops 1, where you get to yeah. replay aspects of the Cold War uh, <laughs> simplified to their, like, <laughs> the most uh-huh. basic things, and it's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll get a full Vietnam one where we can uh, <laughs> have all the hits. We can have... Uh, they can They can borrow from Full Metal Jacket for the first half of the game. And then they can borrow from yeah. Apocalypse now for the second half. <laughs> right. So what we're we doing next month? We're doing Destiny Two in December, mm-hmm. isn't that right? We are. I'm playing it right yeah. now. So next month we're doing Destiny Two, January in the new year in 2018, which I am positive is going to be a really really great year. Uh, <laughs> we'll be looking at Wolfenstein Two: The New Colossus. That's our January game. Uh, between now and then, we will have podcasts, obviously, on Destiny Two. We'll probably try and slip something else in about like 2017 in general, and do yeah, kind of end yeah. of the year roundup podcast. And let our hair you, down a little. Let our hair down a little. Exactly. So what we really think for once, yeah. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> as usual, you can go and follow Bullet Points on Twitter at Bullet Points VG. If you've enjoyed this episode, then do go and look at bulletpointsmonthly.com where you can find articles on Call of Duty WW2 by Reed, Astrid, Will Partin, and Julie Muncie, as well as articles on lots and lots and lots of other games. And if you like both this show and the website and the sound of our respective collective voices, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and donate to us some money, which we will use to keep producing such excellent content <laughs> oh, I saw I said you going it. for it like a I dropped the C-bomb oh god uh, I hate that word so much content yeah oh god I really yeah Beethoven's fifth content um <laughs> So, I've been Ed Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Most and Silly Ed. Reed, you are. I am. I'm me, and you can find me at Reed McCarter. Astrid. Yeah, I'm, I'm Astrid, <laughs> as we know, and I'm at Hastapira. So, you can find us all on Twitter individually, or yes, go to at Bullet Points VG and follow the site for all updates on new articles, new episodes, and things that we're working on. Thank you for joining us. That's the end of our discussion on Call of Duty. We'll be back next month. Anyone got anything else they'd like to add before we leave? I think you should use for outro music in this episode Armistice Day by Paul Simon. (laughs) (laughs) I might drop the Band of Brothers theme tune on the end or something. Here, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to fade it out there.